and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. Hey, it's our fifth anniversary. Happy birthday to us. Celebrating over 250 episodes we've done so far, and I just want to thank everyone who has listened to at least one episode, supported the show, has given me feedback, guest suggestions, everything. Keep it coming. I can't thank everybody enough who supported me over these past five years. This episode's a big one. It's Daryl DMC McDaniels, the king of rock, you know, from Run DMC. What can we say about Run DMC that already hasn't been said? They're one of the most influential bands, not only in hip-hop, but in music of all time, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Richard from Queens, like myself. Been a fan since the beginning. I mean, all these albums have been absolutely fantastic. We talk about Daryl's career, talk about how they got together with Aerosmith for Walk This Way, some of the videos that they've done, which have been amazing. We also talk about Daryl's new book called Daryl's Dream. It's a children's book. It's it's really entertaining. I highly recommend it to everyone. And we talk about Daryl's you know personal life as well. Uh, very engaging interview. I could have spoke to Daryl for hours. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Daryl. And thank you everyone who supported me over the years. So, Daryl, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So before we kind of, you know, talk about like your, your book and the music and everything like that, just tell me how like the last two years have been for you, because you know everyone has a, you know, COVID and like quarantine story. Uh, how how are you doing? I've been doing very good. The first three days of the quarantine was crazy. Panic. Oh, my God. Because my whole career is with people. Yeah. So the first three days was panicking, but then I settled down and I was like, I could just do what I did before I even had a career with this music stuff. I could just write for the sake of writing. Right. And I just started writing. I think that was my therapy. It gave me something to focus on and something to do to the point where I wrote like 50 new songs so when the pandemic lightened up, you could go back out now. Now I got stuff. I yeah. got material that I can go record in the studio now. But right. the first three days was crazy, but I kind of appreciated it because it gave me time to focus more on me. That's good. Yeah, I, I, it's, I feel like it was either everyone thrived or everyone suffered. There was really no... It was either or. Right, yeah. it was either or. You're 100% right. And yeah. for me, I think what was good, I mean, two years was crazy because yeah. everything got canceled. But um, I was always on the go. Yeah. So it slowed me down. And it made me realize that I could be all right without all of this other outside stuff. Right. Absolutely. Which was good for me. Yeah. I'm never home. Right. So it was good for me to be home. Drove my wife crazy. Of course. Because <laughs> she was like, you ain't leaving yet. Yeah. Because even when there's no pandemic, I, I'm, if I'm home too long, she, she asked me, you ain't got nowhere to go. Because <laughs> it gives yeah. her a break. But um, the first three days was hard. But I did a lot of um, virtual things with um, uh, high school and middle okay. school kids. Right. And college kids. So I was able to um, help them get through their things. So okay. I was kind of like a, um, I was kind of like a new thing to um, enlighten their situation. Right. 
Absolutely. Now, during that time, was the whole idea for Daryl's Dream born, or was that before the pandemic? No, Daryl's Dream was before the pandemic. Okay. Um, that came about uh, for the last, I would say, 15 years. If I'm not on the road doing shows, if I'm not at a comic con with my comic book, yeah. when I'm home, um, it's the gym and I go to schools to talk. Okay. So I started speaking at high schools. And those educators was like, you need to take this message to the middle schools. So I went to the middle school, started speaking in. Those educators was like, you need to take that to the elementary schools. So about four years ago, I spoke at um, a school in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, and two of the educators, Shawnee and Johnny Warfield, um, they were teachers at the school. And now they're the principals in their districts, which is which is amazing, but I came to the school and I spoke to the uh, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Parents was calling in. Did DMC come to the school to speak? <laughs> yes, he did. What the hell did he tell my kids? Right. I don't know who this kid is. He's coming home. She's being polite and doing their homework. So my message resonated with the That's kids. Great. So the school, the teachers, Shawna and Johnny Warfield invited me back a second year. Came and spoke to the new students, same thing. So in the third year, they was like, you need to write a book. And at first I was like, no, I like it when I could come be with the kids. And they was like, no, that's cool. They remember you, they appreciate you. But they was like, you could reach so many more kids without having to be there with the book. Right. And I was like, oh, I didn't think about it like that. So um, he said, think of something that, you know, that the kids can relate to. So I decided to come up and put me in the third grade, dealing with all the issues that kids in elementary school deal with. Right. So it, it was like a four-year process to me re um, releasing a book. And the other thing with the book, too, was um, once I had it completed, I went around shopping it, but a lot of people wanted me to change it. Okay. And fortunately, uh, um, I was meeting with Nickelodeon, and they just—I uh, was meeting with Nickelodeon about something else. Okay. And while I was there, they just happened to ask me, "Oh, do you have anything else going on?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I got this book I'm shopping," and I showed it to Nickelodeon. They said, "This book, this book is perfect as it is." Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it got kind of right here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's it's great. Now it would be perfect, like a cartoon on Nickelodeon. Has that been like you know talked about? We're working on that right now. Animated series. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that book is the first book in a series of books. Okay. So it's probably going to be 15, 20 books of okay. You know, something the kids can resonate with. What everybody's loving this, and the kids. It's funny when I go to schools and I speak to the kids. They asked me during Q&A, is it going to be an animated series? So right. we're in talks with Nickelodeon. That has to happen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely set up perfectly. Right. That's great. Yeah. Um, I, my youngest son, and I was two, and every Friday they do like virtual readings, you know, to oh. the class. Because obviously we still can't go in there because they're not yeah. vaccinated yet. Yeah. So tomorrow is my turn. So I'm thinking like, 
two and three year olds. Can I bring the book and read it? I'm like, yeah, yeah why not? I'm gonna absolutely read it to them. And yeah, it's, it's, it's like, made for kindergarten yeah. to fifth grade the little kids yeah. if they can comprehend. Absolutely, they and, can. and that's the beautiful yeah. thing. The whole idea with the book is our us as adults, a lot of things that become mental health issues begin when we're little. Right. But a lot of times we get told, you're too young to be thinking about that. Yeah. But thinking about it like this, stress and anxiety exists in kindergarten. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? The pressure of going to school the first day. Because yep. people in the school that don't like you, the bullies, it's a lot of pressure. So when you're dealing with um, anxiety and fear, um, the way you think about yourself, peer pressure, how do I fit in? Yeah. No, we get that in our job career environment. Right. But it starts in school. So um, people were telling me, D, you've always been inspiring and motivating while you were entertaining. What I'm doing with the book is what I've always done with my music. Right. But it's just in a book form now. Yeah. But in order for me to communicate with these little kids, uh, my, my, my um, anxiety filled situations is at work, at home, <sighs> with my friends, yeah. and the people I interact with. Right. But for the children, their world is their households, That's cool. their streets in their neighborhoods and backyards, their classrooms in their schoolyards. Yeah. So I was like, how can I put um, um, self-esteem, bullying, believing in yourself, following your heart, not following other people all in one? I said, I'll put Daryl DMC in the third grade so the kids, they can relate to Daryl, but I don't want the kids to see the greatness of the man that their mothers, fathers, and grandfathers love. Right. I wanted to see themselves in Daryl. Yeah. And, and Daryl's dream was a perfect way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel now kids have more options for anxiety, you know, with oh, like social media, the internet and stuff media, like that. The, yeah. the bullying is far worse than when it's, you and I are in school. Yeah, oh, for sure. You know? Yeah, it's on a whole nother level. Right. And, it's, and, and, and then one of the things is, and this is what's bad about social media. These kids see social media and the dominant images, they think if I'm not that, I'm worthless. Right. That's what I'm, I wanted to, I wrote the book for two reasons, to tell kids this. You're perfect just the way you are. Exactly. Your freckles, your red hair, your height, your weight, your funny shoes. The, uh, even the food that you like, the shows that you like, you don't want you don't want to be like everybody else. You don't have to be. And the other thing is because you are you, because you're perfect just the way you are, that will allow you to succeed in whatever it is that you do. I'm a little kid that was, I got teased, bullied, and picked on because I wore glasses. Because I need glasses, because something's, because I need help to see these bullies thought that I wasn't normal and I'm not worthy and this and that. But I'm a little kid that got teased, bullied, and picked on because I wore glasses. I love school. I did my homework. I was polite. That same little kid became the mighty king of rock. Right. <laughs> so what do you think of me now, bullies? And yeah. that's I want to tell the kids, you don't got to wear Adidas because of Run DMC. You don't got to wear yes. Jordans like everybody else. You can wear the sneaker that you, and they're like, you know, I want to give permission, the power, not permission, 
I want to give kids the power to be exactly who they want to be right. and not have to fit in and be with the it crowd. And, you know, there's a kid that might want to play the violin, but then they're going to rap and make profanity-filled hip-hop just to be cool. No. Make, make a violin hip-hop record and never say a curse. Right. So I want the kids to know the bullies have the problem. And I, we talk about that. I say, he or she is picking on you because there's something that the bully's not dealing with about him or herself. Right. Not realizing there's people to help us. Yeah. Help them, yeah. Right, yeah. You know, either confront the bu- bully or you stand out yourself. You know, more exactly. people are going to look at you if you're playing the violin, but, you know, and all yes. the other kids are, like, just doing the, you know, the curse still rap. You're That's standing out. Yep, that's what yeah. happens in the book. Daryl right. says his poem regardless. Yeah. And at the end, the two bullies, Denise and Charlie, say, yo, Daryl, that poetry thing is really cool. And if you and, and, and if you remember, Charlie says, Daryl, can you teach me to do poetry like you? Right. Daryl says, I'll teach you, but you got to do it like you, Charlie. Don't do it like me. And that's a powerful thing right there. Yeah. And I know, like, you know, growing up, you're into, you know, comics and stuff like that. Yeah. Are, you, are you like you know, me too? I still read them. Now, yeah, are, are, you, are you just surprised how geeks and nerds rule the world? Exactly. Exactly. You surprised how it just blown up now? Like, well, the movie, everything, how. Yeah. Well, you got to understand. First of all, we don't need Hollywood. Yeah. But it's cool to see all of our comic books on a big screen. Right. But what's happening is. Um, and I, I say this every time I do a panel at Comic-Con, because I go to the Comic-Cons yeah. now. We are all products of pop culture. As I said before you, I am not just all the Marvel superheroes that I can relate to. Mm-hmm. Peter Parker from Queens, like me. Like, exactly. That's yep. real. You know what I'm saying? But I'm also the Munsters, Herman Munster and the yeah. Adams family and Fred Flintstone and George Judson. You yep. know what I'm saying? And, and the Brady Bunch and everything that you did after yeah. school and stuff like that. So pop culture allows us, and let me go even deeper because uh, I speak with a lot of educators and teachers, literacy, stories and Star Wars and the Peanuts and stuff like that. Literacy and pop culture and um, these created works of art allow us to learn about ourselves. See, when, when the kids, the kids is like unsure of their emotions. But I want it's okay to be afraid. When I right. speak to these third graders, when I go in person, I say I'm 57 years old. I've been in the music business for 40 years. Mm-hmm. I still get scared before I go on stage. Yeah. So then they go, really? Like, okay, so it's okay to be afraid. But we find ourselves in these store in the comic books. I right. relate Peter Parker to Queens like me. But when you look at Peter, he's awkward, he's clumsy, yeah. he's all over the place. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. We see ourselves in these stories, which helps us find our strengths. Right. And you mentioned you know, still being scared of going on stage. Yeah. If, if, you, if you weren't scared, then don't you think you would try something else? Like it's you're if you don't try to do something and you don't feel scared, you don't feel that emotion. It's like, maybe I should be doing something different. Doing something else. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, for sure. For sure. And, and, yeah. and that's what's good. You know, that's why the kids got to, the kids, we got to give the kids confidence to say, 
oh, everybody's joining the basketball team. I'm going to go yeah. join the science club. Right. Or I'm going to go do the drama club. I don't want to get up on stage and recite Shakespeare. Yeah. But let me go try that. Right. You know, because then they might discover this is me. I found myself. Exactly. You know, in yeah. music, in art, and you know, Star Wars is a reason why you love Star Wars. Yeah. It's something of this part of you in that allows that to exist. Right. I always tell my kids, just try something once. Whether yeah. you know you like What's it or the worst not, can happen. right? You like it. That's probably the worst thing that will happen. Exactly. You, you know, you you can take exactly. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. try to experience as much stuff as you can. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, growing up, I'm sure you had some action figures. Did any time in your life, wildest dreams, you imagine that you would be an action figure? Never in the middle. I had GI Joe. I had yeah. Big Jim. I had Evil Knievel. Right. I had it all. You know what I'm saying? I had the Fisher Price. Oh, we had everything. Yeah. I had the, the Pez. Right. You know, yeah, the Andy had yeah. every, yeah, I never in a million years would have thought that I would be an action figure. Right. It's the craziest thing ever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And to have people think it's I'm a cool, you know, some people have what you really don't care about, but to have one that people actually like, yeah. That's a whole nother level. Right. Yeah, I mean, of all the things, like, of you guys or your particular in pop culture, what is your favorite? Is it is it the figure? Is it, like, the, the little people? Like, like what do you... The what little you... people's are really cool. Um, the Funko Pops are really cool. Yeah, yeah. But it, for me, it's definitely my comic book character. Right. The DMC superhero guy. Yeah. You know, because it's me in an alternate universe. Like, yeah. you know, the, the whole... Uh, the, before hip hop, before before hip hop, and before rock and roll, it was rock and roll first. That yeah. kind of, um, you know, when I was growing up, soul music, you know, Aretha Franklin, right. Marvin Gaye, and Al Green, that was my mother and father's music because they were still young and cool. You yeah, know, they were thirty and forty years old. Right, right. So I'm a kid. I'm playing with my GI Joes <laughs> and my Evil Knievels yeah. and my Lionel Train sets and my Big Wheel. So I'm a kid. I didn't have a music. That was my theme song until 70s, okay. late 60s, early 70s, and throughout this um, 70s rock radio. And that included the Stones, Led Zeppelin, yeah. Queen, and all of those, but also Harry Chapin and Jim Croce and Joni Mitchell and the right. storytellers. Mm -hmm. So I could relate to that. So when hip hop came along, I was like, oh, wow. I can tell stories about who I am, just like Dylan and Neil Young yeah. and do, and just like Stan Lee did for me in the comic books. So for me, when I got into hip hop, when I got into the music business, you know what, before alcohol, before I found out I was an alcohol, right. my confidence to get on stage and not care was, I'm just pretending to be the most powerful entity <laughs> in the hip hop universe. Thor has a hammer. I have a mic. mic right. The, um, Dr. Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk. I turn into the King of Rock. Yeah. Spike Peter Parker turns into Spider-Man. I turn into the devastating mic controller. <laughs> that was my confidence to get on. You know, Run always thought, Joe always yeah. thought that I had dope rhymes, which was true. <laughs> right. But he did not know I was pretending to mild-mannered school kid, Daryl yeah. McDaniels transforms into the son of Byford, yeah. just like the son of Odin. Right. But then along the way, I got kind of lost because the demands of 
being successful in the music business. So I thought that I, I needed something outside of me to help get me through this, and that was alcohol. Okay, yeah. But unfortunately, I've been sober for 18 years now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Now, you mentioned getting on stage, and I can't imagine you being on stage in a bigger scenario than Live Aid. Like, yes. I've had a couple of people, you know, perform, and then they say that's probably the highlight of their career. Oh, for sure. I mean, just looking Step at on yeah. stage at Live Aid, like I said in Adidas. Yeah. Huge and scary. We didn't want to do it at first. Okay. The funny joke is, hey, um, um, Bill Graham fought. Bill Graham, the legendary um, promoter, right. fought to get us on Live Aid. When he was doing the meeting, he was like, yo, I think Run DMC should play in, in Philadelphia. And there was people at the table. What? They're not even going to be around in three years. Hip-hop's not even the music. They're not even saying nothing. They're hibbity-hobbity-jibberish. <laughs> Bill Graham basically, I heard Bill Graham said, if you don't put Run DMC on, I'm out. Wow. You have no idea what these guys are doing. So we get the call. We was actually on tour. Y'all got to fly to, we got to leave the tour, fly to Philly, do it, do, do the performance, and then fly back to do the tour that night. We said, uh -huh. nope, we're not going. You're trying to trick us. You're trying to put us, because we didn't want to, number one, go in yeah. and ruin anything with all these <laughs> legends. Right. And number two, for our hip-hop people, we didn't want to make fools about ourselves. We want to stay safe and do the hip-hop thing. And they was like, you know, Russell, our management and label was like, you have to go. So we went. Yeah. It's sort of like your kids, okay? Exactly. You try Let's it. Try something yeah. new. What's the worst that could happen? We could get booed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, you guys, you know, nailed it. Um, did you run into any of like, you know, those legends that you spoke about and like listen to the music back then? I heard everybody, no, we didn't because we was kind of like in and, in out, and out. But I heard um, the, the, the funny thing was when we came in, we got there that morning and we, I think we went on like 10 o'clock. I think okay. it was early, 10 or 11, right. something like that. So we got in, um, I think we was only in the dressing room for probably no longer than 35 minutes. Okay. They're going to come get you. They got to get ready. So the funny joke is when the um, the roadies come, when the sound people, the professional sound <laughs> people comes for the setup, we didn't have no amps and rigs and stuff. We got two turntables and a mixer and a right. great carry the records. So a lot of the guys that were setting up for us, they kind of knew what it was about. So they was excited. But, uh, you know, most of the people were excited to say, what are you going to do playing records with this or whatever? Or whatever. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is not going to go anywhere. So out of, let's say there was probably 300 people on the, on the sound crew. About 11 of them were so excited because they knew it was going to be DJing. Yeah. But the, most of the guy was new to them. So when we started, if you look, when Jay's trying to call us on stage, using the record, it keeps jumping. So people on the side of stage with all these dots, but once we got off stage, yeah. oh, yo, that was cool, man. We, and people that didn't expect it to be something that was cool, it was like, um, they was like, um, yo, we wish y'all had more time. <laughs> yeah. But I heard everybody there that was there that morning watched us. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I just did a podcast interview about Live Aid uh, and um, 
there was a person that was there. And I was like, you know, I, I don't think people like it. I said, no, D, I was in a crowd. People was loving y'all. Like, I got all this positive feedback. Yeah. I got positive feedback about live aid 30 years later. Wow. Okay. Because we was in and out. We was nervous, scared to death, yeah. whatever, whatever. We just do go out there and do what you want to do. But uh, we heard uh, um, everybody from Ozzy, Black Set, was happy Run DMC was on it. Yeah, good. Yeah, because so, so Bill Graham was on this song. Yeah, no, he, he was. Yeah, I remember watching it live. I still have the DVDs, and it's you know still the probably the best day of music ever. I it's mean, crazy. That I was mean, a lot. yeah, it's inconceivable that we would be a part of that. Yeah, especially so early in our careers. Right. Because you got to listen. People was asking us. Even you know, it's funny. Even even when we had even when we had raising hell out no, and we would do press conferences. Yeah. Now, Raising Hell and Walk This Way and Adidas is out. We would still get, excuse me, DMC, where will you be in five years? They they didn't think this about no. that. They thought it was going to die like disco. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And then you can look at it and, you know, you get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, just all, all, all so, this stuff. I mean, just yeah. all the troubling stuff that, you know, you guys did. I mean, it's it starts somewhere and there's always resistance, you know, for, for the first person, you know, the or the first group to do it. And then, you know, sure enough, you guys do it. You do it great, better than anybody. You get recognized and you pave the way for everybody else. So Yeah, you know, I was heavily influenced by, you know, Joni, I was heavily influenced by Joni Mitchell, Janis right. Joplin, Harry Chapin, Jim Croce, John Denver, yeah. Led Zeppelin, The Beatles, The Stones, Proco Harum. Like there were so many songs, excuse me, there were so many songs in my childhood as a kid that I would stop playing and go, what is this? You know, when I heard Pink Floyd's Us and right. Them, like, what is this? I had no idea. I would, right. I was just pretending in 85 to be the king of rock. Yeah. I'm the king of rock. I'm pretending. It's make-believe. I did not know it was going to become true when I would be in the rock and roll. Of oh, yeah. Yeah. How did you come up with that moniker? Well, it's two reasons. Um, I, I was never into black music. Okay. As a kid, I'm a king. Right. I don't care about Rita Franklin and Marvin Gaye. That's my mom's little music. But the, the connection with me and rock is this. When I heard a rock song on the radio, artists like Fogarty and John Lennon and Bob Dylan and the MC5, they would say these words, government, president, mayor, society. Right. So rock talked about, I mean, Marvin Gaye did What's Going On, and James Brown did Say It Loud, yeah. Black and I'm Proud, or the Isley Brothers did, but the rock guys always talked about and made songs about stuff I learned in social studies. So as a kid, I know what a president is. So fortunate son and all of that, I related to that. And the other thing about it was the rock music was more powerful than R&B and disco. Yeah. Disco was based yeah. on rock had loud drums and these loud, powerful yelling guitars. So a long story short, no, rock was like superheroes to me. It was the Hulk, boosh, better, it was stronger. Right. So when I got into hip hop, I was like, how am I gonna get noticed? I'm not in a gang, I don't curse. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? I don't got guns. I ain't going to jail. I ain't got nothing that's considered street and gangster. Right. Except sound. Sound is everything. So, like I said, I will be the most powerful entity mm -hmm. in the hip hop. I will be like a superhero in the midst of all this negativity and profanity. <laughs> my strength is the power of the drums and the rock guitars. Right. So instead of wanting to be the king of rap, because you understand as a kid too, you know, as a young man getting into hip hop, I'm like, oh shoot, what if this hip hop don't last? Yeah. I want to be, I want to have a career comparable to Paul McCartney's. So maybe if I say I'm the king of rock, the world will believe it. Right. I didn't think it was going to come true, but it's I'm the king of rock that is none higher. You know, when I was writing those lyrics, I was like, I want Elvis to bow down when I walk in a room. Yeah. I want Paul McCartney, yeah. Freddie Mercury, and Mick Jagger to say, come at me. Here, you sit on the throne. It was all just a, um, an enthusiastic um, um, pretend. You know, yeah. um, when, I, when I would put my favorite blanket on my neck as a kid, I'm Batman and right. Superman. I take the actual tin garbage can. I'm Captain America. I take my father's yeah. real hammer. I'm Thor. Me being the king of rock was just me pretending yeah. I'm like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So then it was obviously easy for you guys to incorporate like the rock guitars in some of your songs then. Yeah. Well, we, prior to Rapper's Delight being made, if you would have saw a DJ in New York in 1973, and you come to New York and there's a DJ DJing in a park and a rapper rapping, we was rapping over disco records. We'd probably rap over, you know, we'd probably rap over um, a slide of Family Stone record that, you know, if there's, if there's 30 seconds of just the baseline playing, the DJ's job is to keep that going so I can run. We'd probably rhyme over uh, a jazz record, Bob James Mardi Gras. We'd probably rhyme over a disco record. We'd probably rhyme over a funk record. We'd probably rhyme over R&B record. In the early years of hip hop, before recorded rap, a lot of rock songs were breakbeats. I didn't know Walk This Way was Walk This Way. I just knew the album with the toys on the cover, play number four. <laughs> right. That, play that one, number because the DJs would scratch the titles of the records off the label so the rival DJs wouldn't know what she was playing. Smart. So long story short, also when we came into hip hop, I noticed that everybody was making the same type of records. Everybody was sampling the, the, the R&B or the disco record that was on the radio. To be different, I was like, yo, let's make a rock rap. It wasn't like we sat down and said, we're going to be pioneer. My thing was like, yo, nobody's making rock hip hop. Right. I rapped over that when I was 12. Let's rap over it in the studio. And that was the motivation behind. It was something that we was already doing that nobody was doing because it's the recorded music industry. So we made Rockbox. Then we made King of Rock. Yeah. Uh, Rockbox was 84. King of Rock was 85 where I could proudly proclaim on the King of Rock. And then in 86, we actually hooked up with a band that made one of the records we used to rap over. Right. We did Walk This Way Over with Aerosmith. Right. I guess we'll, we'll talk about that real quick. Uh, like, that brought, 
you guys in the mainstream brought hip hop into the mainstream, yeah, yeah. really brought back Aerosmith because they were kind of, you know, they were struggling a little bit. So it was exactly. just like a, a perfect storm for you guys. Was that an easy sell for them and for you? It was very easy for them because they're in a studio working on that album. They had Dude Looks Like a Lady, Angel, yeah. phenomenal album. Right. But my joke is this, no. They could have made a record with God, Jesus, and Moses, and nobody would have cared. Right. That's how far they're going. Yeah. No, no, no. Harold Smith has God, Jesus, and nope, nope. They nope. all nope, we don't <laughs> care. It took this rap group from New York City with this burgeoning new music to call. And what happened was we was going to sample it. We wasn't going to do the record over the way they did it. We just going to take the music. Rick Rubin suggested we do the record over the way the band originally did it. Me and Run was totally against it. Okay. We wanted to rhyme about us. Right. So I remember how the record was going to go. We was going to take their music. Boom, bat, boom, boom, bat, boom, bat, boom, boom, bat, bat, It was going to be um, eight bar loops. It's going to be the drum beat all the way through and eight bar loops of the guitar coming in and out. And we came out in 83 with our first single. It's 86 now. So my rhyme was, I'm DMC in the place to be. Been rhyming on the mic since 83. I'm the best MC in history. There will never be an MC better than me. And the rhyme was supposed to go, and I'm DJ Run. I'm number one. Here to get it done and have some fun. The party has now just begun. And that's what the record was going to be. Rick goes, no. Do the record over the way the band originally did it. Me and Run cursed them out for a week. <laughs> no, no, no. We want to make a rock box king of rock record. Right. So it was a fight back and forth. Not knowing why we fighting back and forth with Jay. Because Jay wanted to do it. Rest in okay. peace, Jay. He wanted to do it. Rick goes to Boston. He calls Boston. Hey, my name is Rick Rubin. I'm producing Run DMC, and we want to remake a hip-hop version of your song, Walk This Way. That's not, when, the, when, the, um, when the assistant picked up the phone, that's the first thing they heard. Wow. So he goes, who? My name is Rick Rubin. I'm producing Run DMC, and we want to do a hip-hop version of your song, Walk This Way. So the assistant goes, hold on. At the time, Aerosmith was in the studio working on that album. But they could have spent a $30 million marketing budget. Nobody cared. Right. So the question was, hey, guys, there's some guy named Rick Rubin on the phone saying he's producing Run DMC and they want to remake your song, Walk This Way. So Steve and Joe, they in the studio and the assistant goes, what do you want me to tell them? So they go, yeah, we kind of we know about this Run DMC thing. We know about this hip hop thing for Steve and Joe it was it's like the kids. What's the worst thing that can exactly. happen? Let's do it. Yeah. So they humbly said, yes, we want to do it. And we said, okay, let's do it together. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of it. If Imagine if me and Run would have did it without them. It would have still been something to talk about, right. but it wouldn't have changed the world. Exactly. The fact that we brought two generations together, black and white people yeah. together, two genres together, right. And when Steven Tyler took that mic stand and knocked down the wall in the yep. video, that was symbolic of what, totally. of what was really happening in the world. Totally. Yeah. 
And then back to um, King of Rock, you, had, you, know, you talk about videos, which you guys yeah. had, you know, fun videos. And in a video of that one, you kind of like had the line with Michael Jackson, this is thriller, and you step Larry on Larry Bud Melvin. Larry Bud Melvin. Yeah, rest in peace. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did you, did you get a lot of flack for that, like stepping on Michael Jackson's glove because of that in the video? They thought we was being real disrespectful. Right. Pulling a plug on Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. Threw the hat on the Beatles. Right. Yeah, a lot of people thought we was feeling it. But here's the funny thing. In 1988, we got to meet Michael Jackson. Okay. Because he wanted to do a song with us. Oh, wow. And no, we walked in his studio um, on Santa Monica Boulevard. I think it used to be Paramount Studios. Michael brought it like he was buying everything. Made <laughs> in his studio. In 1988, we walk in there. It's Michael Jackson in Bubbles. The bucket. <laughs> right. And the first thing Michael Jackson says to us, Run DMC, you guys are great. I loved it when you dissed me in the King of Rock video. Oh, that's awesome. He didn't say he knew he knew we were trying to say we believe in yeah. ourselves. Right. But going back to the video, it was the most disrespectful thing ever. Because Larry Bud Melvin tells us, yeah. you can't come in here. You guys are hip hop. Right. You don't belong in a rock world. We say what? I scream the king around yeah. and we go trash the joint. Very disrespectful. Yeah. But you know what's crazier? In 2009, we get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall yeah. of Fame. So I go, Runge goes, you know, we represent Jane and his yeah. family. They call me over, the heads, D, come here. You guys did something phenomenal. What do you mean? You guys were prophetic. And I'm like, what are you talking about? In 1985, we did a video called the King. We had the balls to call ourselves the King right. of Rock. We did a video called The King of Rock about us getting denied entry into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that didn't exist because it didn't start till 86. Yeah. We did True. not know that. Yeah. We actually prophesied yeah. that we was going to get in and people was going to be mad about hip-hop getting in. The way, you know, Gene Simmons has his... But how could we do it, get in, and it didn't exist till 86, the year that we changed the world with Aerosmith and Adidas. So that made me say, wow, we really did something phenomenal. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But I didn't know that. When you say rock, when we did the video with Larry Bud Melman, we knew there was really a rock roll hall of fame because it had to be around since, look, if it wasn't around since the 30s, it yeah. had to be around since the 50s. No. No. It didn't start till the 86, the year we act. First, we claim we're the Kings of Rock. <laughs> yeah. And then the next year, they open up a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. And we get in it. You can't write this stuff. No. It's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, you paved the way for so many people. You know, Eminem just got Everybody, in. Everybody. Yeah, the, they're, they're all getting in now. Our, who did our induction speech? Eminem. Yeah. Eminem said, when I saw y'all, y'all changed this little white kid from Detroit's life. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, can't, you can't write this. And, and from everybody that I play with every day, from um, Tom Morello to Sebastian Bach. Yeah. To, um, I, 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 I hang with Sammy Hager and Joan Jett, and they're telling me, who grew up listening and sampling their music, that I did something that they admired. Yeah. You can't. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you probably, I'm sure you saw goosebumps from that night. 
oh, it's the craziest thing ever. Yeah. And all I could think of, I didn't think of thanking the label of management. I yeah. thanked my mother and father for adopting me. Smart, yeah. And that's why I said, don't you, you believe in every little kid because you never know that little orphan kid might grow up to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, and going back to my youth a little bit, you know, because, you know, stupid kid, you know, our friends and we would just sing all the time in school. You talk too much. Like oh, every, every day. That was like our favorite song for you guys. We just sing that. You all never the time. shut up because no. you always got a friend. There's always yeah. someone. And, that, and I think that's one of the things that made Red DMC so good. We were universally right. connected. Like a lot of hip hop is just, you know, urban ghetto situations. Yeah. We made music that emotionally and situationally, look, it's tricky to rock a rhyme, but it's tricky. Yeah. Life is tricky. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When you saw Randy and Jay, you saw your friend, your uncle, a teacher, you know, yeah. a man down the block. Like we was able to relate across um, genres and across situations. Right. You know, because I mean, I was I'm, obviously I'm still Jewish, but a Jewish boy right. from Queens, you know, like not not too far from where you grew up. But like yeah. I can appreciate the music, you know, I Christmas and Hollis. I yeah, exactly. music, but I love that song. You know, yeah, it, you can it, relate to it. Yeah. I can absolutely relate to that. You know, I mean, you, Muslim people tell me I can't yeah, wait sure. for Christmas. We're playing Christmas yeah. and Hollis. Right. What are you doing at festive occasion? You break bread with your family. Absolutely. So those are the things that will resonate with people. Yeah. Right. It wasn't about you have to be down with Christmas or you have to no. do this. You saw your situation in everything we presented. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I, I know you went to St. John's. I grew up, you know, a couple minutes away. You know, big yeah. I went there for hand. two semesters. Okay. I took a leave of absence and been absent ever since. Because <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to come. I took a leave of absence just to tour for the summer. Right. We put out our first single. My only reason my parents let me go is I told them whatever money I make this summer with my one little single, I'll use yeah. that next year to pay for my own tuition so you won't have to. Okay. So I took a leave of absence because I knew I was going to be back. Yeah. I thought my first, I run DMC's first record is like that, and that's the way it is. And the B side, remember records was A side and B side? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like that, Sucker MCs, A side and B side. I thought that single in 83 would be something I'd sit around with my grandkids and go, you know something, kids? I had a hip-hop song once, right. believe it or not. Your granddad did hip-hop. You know, you know yeah. Eminem. I was Eminem before Eminem. And I'd be talking about my one single. Right. I had no idea I'd be talking about I'm the reason why Eminem exists in the yeah. first place. That's not a thought. Right. And another reason why you guys were in such trouble is you guys had like one of the first full-length hip-hop albums like your self-title yes. you know that wasn't yeah. a thing back then you mentioned just having you know, was, everything singles. was singles yes. right yeah we we had we had the guts to put out the first hip-hop album yeah believing somebody would buy it and listen to it because the world was like look we listen to your singles there's no way we want to hear a whole album from right. us. yeah well we did it and we was the first album to go. we went gold yeah so half a million copies of our right. first album yeah yeah, I, I still have it, you know. That's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's kind of come full circle now because really no one releases albums anymore. They you know, know. release these couple songs on the streaming Everything site. Everything is it. singles and streaming. Yeah. And, right. yeah. and like if the, they do release the album, it's a mixtape because people only care yeah. about one or two songs. On right. it. Like, well, at least with an album, 
you have the single, but fans fall in love with an album cut. Oh, totally. You with the single that don't yeah. exist no more. Right. I, I, I love no getting, experience. Yeah, I love getting the album. You get the liner note to see the yeah, lyrics who worked on it. It, yeah. it was yeah, but now it's just like. All right, I can just click on the song on on you know, Spotify. Get, yeah, it's get not the same. Everybody else gets yeah. it. You can't personalize it. Anymore. No, like the only thing that's good about that and like the Kindle is like it's no more clutter, so everything is yeah, condensed. But you miss sure. reading a like. How do you read comic books now? Do you read it like on a phone or do you still no, have books. Like physical? Books. Yeah, I like to get the books. Yeah, me too. It's because the, the tech is supposed to be an assistant. It's right, not supposed to take over. Agreed. Yeah. I was being assistance, um, a convenience. Yeah. You know, like most DJs, DJs say, you're not a DJ unless you use vinyl. Unless you yeah. digging in a crate, putting it there. But, you know, the, the, um, the hard drives allow a DJ to travel overseas and not have to pay customs for a hundred crates of records. Right, so true. That's the assistance of it. You know, yeah. even with the computer, or the push of a button, I can hear my Stone song. Yeah. But nothing's better than digging in the crate, putting it on the turntable, yeah. and having a whole album to right. read and look at while you're listening. Yeah, it used to be a 3D experience. It was sight, sound, and physical. Right now, it's just push a button. Yeah, I know. I, I, had, I was gonna say I had so many vinyl that I didn't have a turntable anymore. So recently, I just bought one because I want to play records again. A lot get. of people are saying, "Yo, yeah. I got all this vinyl. I had to go out and find a turntable." Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Right. As long as cassettes don't come back, because cassettes are the worst. They're starting it, to come back. I know they are. It's uh, they are starting yeah. to come back. I yeah. just used to hate you used to wear it out and break. Yeah, exactly. Or you just, tape it together with the yeah. scotch tape to give it light. It yeah, like it, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. A lot yeah. of work for the cassette. Yeah. What was your favorite video you guys made? Oh, wow. Oh, favorite video we made. Um, Probably King of Rock. King of Rock, yeah. Yeah, Larry Bud Melvin from the David Letterman show yeah. going through the museum, being mischievous. Right. King of Rock, definitely. Yeah. And how much fun was it being on the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack of that episode? Amazing. Yeah. That was a, we got to wear the back yeah. the suits. Exactly, the stage, yeah. Yeah, you know me, I'm a geek and a nerd, so I'm in Wonderland. You know yeah. what I'm saying? To run in jail was just another record, but I'm like, yo, this is crazy. I get to hold the bell. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah, the Ghostbusters, was, that was a huge honor. Right. You know what I'm saying? To be a part of pop culture like that. Yeah. Because, you know, people like, I think it was the Bobby Brown single. That was like the yeah. single yeah, off that. Saying, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, but you're so... And then we was down with it too, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And to this day, when I'm at Comic-Cons, people will come up and have me sign the... Um, the CDs, right, and the DVDs yeah. of the movie—it's crazy what people bring. Yeah, I'm like, where'd you get this from? I know. And a lot of people became fans of Run DMC because just because of the Ghostbusters records. Okay, because they were Ghostbusters fans, right? And not in the hip hop, but now that this hip hop group is down yeah. with that, they became fans of it. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Like how many, like, um, like you know, Live Aid, you know, with um. Aerosmith and then with Ghostbusters, how many like you know avenues you guys were able to, uh, you know, all the pop culture stuff that people weren't really, um, you know, you didn't think that would ever heard. happen, yeah, yeah, because everything was separate, right? Okay, yeah. So of of all like your songs and like pop culture, 
like what was your favorite placement of one of them oh um oh um walk this way in ray donovan okay recently like in the last couple of years yeah and that scene he has an argument with his son he goes in the room and he's drinking yeah. and he goes over to the turntable right puts walk this way and just starts dancing yeah but white chicks is yeah the right chicks is the most famous because i was in the supermarket and a lady from my generation my age sees me and she's going crazy her daughter's probably like 12. mommy mommy who is this the mother's leave me alone Mommy, my who is this? Leave yeah. me alone. And the mother goes, This is Run DMC. Who? Leave me alone. And the daughter couldn't comprehend. So the, the mother just turns to the young daughter and goes, White chicks, it's tricky. The daughter pushes the moms out the way. Now the daughter wants for autograph. Oh, that's funny. Because yeah. of the white chick. You're the guy that made the record in the white chick movie. Yeah. And yeah. the other one is um tricky on SSX, the video game tricky. Oh, okay. The skateboard game. A lot okay. of young kids yeah. come up to me at Comic Cons. Can you side that? Right. I first heard of you with this. Now I get to meet you. Okay. Yeah. But my favorite is the Ray Diamond, the most recent right. use of walk this yeah. way in that scene. It's so powerful. Yeah. I think mine is probably the Guitar Hero, the game. And, oh, that's yeah. a good one. We're King of Rock and yeah, Walk. This exactly. Way. And then uh, it's tricky in the a Road Trip movie, which is. Oh, great. Rock. Yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. I, I we performed that. before Jay died. We performed with the cast. Um, they had an anniversary party of the road trip movie in LA, outside in Hollywood. We performed It's Tricky with the cast of the road trip movie. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Like right before Jay died. Right. I forgot about road trip. Yeah. Road trip had me famous before White Chicks. Yeah. I guess White Chicks is a little more recently, more and more kids seen it, but right. Road, Road Trip, Trip yeah. was huge. Yeah, that, that movie is classic. And uh, I'll leave you with this one. Um, you remember where you were the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio? Yeah, I was in my room in Hollis, Queens, New York, um, getting ready to um, getting ready to go 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 to school the next morning. Wow. I was in the first semester at St. John's University, and Rudd called me. It was like a Friday night. Because remember, hip-hop was only on the radio Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No, Friday and Saturday. He had a little bit, but it was Friday, Saturday night, and um, it was, uh, might have been the Mr. Magic show. Okay. Or the Red Alert show. It was Hot 97 Kiss or something like that. Oh, yeah. And Rudd calls me. D, they're going to play the record, listen in. But I didn't care because I'm like, yo, run, I'm trying to figure out school. I need to change my major. Right. I was in St. John's University for business management. I realized I hate accounting and bookkeeping. I don't want to yeah. have to do anything with no. math. So I was getting ready to change my major to anything that you can do with drawing because I'm a comic right. book artist. Yeah. So I was going to, I was even going to do architecture, graphic design, or, um, um, architecture graphic design or i was going to drop out of school and draw comics okay which my mother was totally against i'm sure yeah my father i'll rest in peace my father as long as the boy is doing what makes him happy 
My mom was like, he's not going to make no money. Yeah. He has to be a doctor, lawyer. The right, whole yeah. thing. But I remember Joe called me and said, it was like 7.30. They're going to play our record next. He listened. I sat down, listened. But if you, now Run knew what he was doing. Because his brother Russell was managing Curtis Blow, okay. Houdini, Super Rhyme, Shimmy. You know, Russell was already yeah. in the business right. of hip-hop. So Run was t- from 12 to 15 years old. Run saw the business of the entertainment biz- um, entertainment industry taking place in his living room in Alice, Queens. Me, I'm an outsider. I'm just doing hip-hop to pretend I'm Grandmaster Flash. Yeah. <laughs> so when I heard it on the radio, I heard it, and it was one of these things, though. Oh, this is not going to last. Not knowing. Yeah. Oh, son, you have no idea. This is only the beginning. Oh, absolutely. But I, I was yeah. in my room, and I, I didn't even tell my mother and father. Oh, wow. <laughs> I sat there myself, listened to my record, and it went back. I probably did homework or something. Yeah. How funny is that? Wow, that's amazing. But, yeah, yeah all, all these years later, I mean, it's they've been on the radio billions of times. You know, all, now, so- Rob was funny. He's calling me every minute. Did you hear? Did you hear? Yeah. We're playing together. And he's calling me the whole week. I'm telling him, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. And then he calls back. Um, probably three weeks later, it says they're playing our record across the nation. I nice. remember that too. That's awesome. Like three weeks later, yeah. it's like that and sucking season right. off. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. never forget that. Yeah. But D, I, I really appreciate this was fantastic. Thank you so Thank much you. for your time today. Good luck with the book. Thank hopefully, you the, hopefully the animated show works out. It's that, coming. It's coming. Yeah. All right. Take care and all the all the best. Thank you. And a special thanks to you, Daryl, for joining me today. Go check him out on Twitter at TheKingDMC. His website is also TheKingDMC.com. And if you have a guest suggestion, hit me up on Twitter at ThePersonal19 or like the page will be my youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'd really appreciate it. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music. Basically, wherever you can find a podcast. New episode will come out next week. Once again, thank you, everybody, for making the past five years so much fun. I really appreciate it. On to the next five years. We'll see you next week.